0: Welcome back to Recent Memories, where we reconsider what really mattered from 1979 to 2009, one year and one conversation at a time. The year is 1983. It's peak Reagan, Thriller, MTV, Bird vs. Magic. You've heard those stories before. We're going to talk about the other ones. And this is season one, episode five, McNugget. And here's the question that we want to answer for history. What happens to our world? if McDonald's never gives us those delicious golden fried things that have chicken in their name, but that actually look and taste nothing like poultry. So welcome back listeners and welcome back to my co-creator, Kevin Blake. We'll introduce the panel in a minute. I'm really excited um, and a little anxious in a good way about this episode because this is our first episode where we're not talking about a human being or, or group of humans really. We're talking about food, um, and none of us obviously are culinary experts, perhaps save for our, our, our panelist uh, Jason Klein is going to be joining momentarily. Um, so this is a curious one, I'm excited about it, obviously a lot to talk about in the birth of the McNugget. What specifically interested you
1: in this story? It's actually interesting that you said that none of us are experts because what drew me in was the connection to Judd, which we can oh, get into. Yeah, I'm an expert. Uh, because I feel like if we were doing recent memories about the year 1503 and we were going to do the Mona Lisa and Leonardo da Vinci was your college roommate, then you should probably invite him in to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, obviously, you know, people at large don't know Judd's connection to fast food, but it's beyond a passion project. It's now, it's life's work. So I think... Having the ability to have an hour conversation with Judd about this seminal moment in fast food history is something that I thought the podcast just couldn't pass up.
0: So in in your mind, you had softballs, Judd had a bat, there was no way you were not going to see him swing for the fences.
1: Right, and that Judd also hit 61 home runs and you know, last
0: year. Right. Um, it's fair enough. Uh, and, and the truth is that uh, at least three of us, I would say, are are highly experienced McNugget consumers. Uh, I am a McNuggets guy, so I was definitely excited with this story. And, and it's funny because I don't really self-identify as a McNuggets guy, but when I think about all those years I drove up and down the I-95 corridor, Many times, stopping twice at McDonald's, and 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 my go-to meal was you know a large McNuggets order. Nine was not enough. Twenty, yeah. twenty sometimes, yeah. um, fries and a Coke. Uh, and obviously, like i as I've gotten older, I don't have as as many McNuggets in my life. But I still think about them very fondly. They still have like a very you know net positive sort of image in my mind and in my palate. And and I was trying to unpack that, and I have a theory as to why that might be. And I think it's because McNuggets came into my life at a formative age and those sort of golden tan things um, wrapped in a red box happened at the same time I first saw the Christie Brinkley swimsuit poster where <laughs> <laughs> she's also golden tan and in a red swimsuit. And I, I, I really think there might be some correlation between the two. Or, uh, Kevin,
1: are, would, you, would you buy that? Uh, I mean, I've never associated McNuggets with arousal, but... I have. I uh, have multiple times. Yeah, maybe. It's an iconic meal. I mean, uh, I think there's just a lot to unpack and, you know, I'm, I'm ready to jump in.
0: So with that, why don't we introduce the panel, and we'll ask both of them a little bit about their, you know, their relationship to McNuggets. My brother and our our mutual dear friend Judd Wishnow is joining us just to provide credentials. Judd, I I believe, has redefined the four food groups, or however many food groups (laughs) there are, to include iceberg lettuce, croutons, fast food, and Twizzlers. I I don't think I'm missing any. (laughs) Judd Jud has the, either, the, either the smallest or most refined palate of anyone that we know. But moreover, he is a fast food entrepreneur. So he does have subject matter expertise. And foil for Judd today is our dear friend, Jason Klein, making his first of hopefully many appearances on the podcast. In addition to being the de facto sort of restaurant picker for all events that, that we have embarked on in our life, I, I believe that Jason, uh, I can't confirm this, nor will he, but I, I've heard that he has a frequent anonymous source for eater.com uh, stories. And he is also the only person I know who sorts Yelp reviews by Michelin stars. It's, a, it's an obscure filter. So- uh, I, I had that custom built. It's no big deal. It's a, it's a custom integration. Yeah, <laughs> Smart. Uh, so let me start with you, um, Jason, because I know the answer for Chud. Um, uh-huh. Jason, two questions. One are you a McNugget guy? And then two, would you maybe share a story, ideally a a telling or traumatic one
2: about dining with Judd? So my mother is actually a nutritionist, which you would think there'd be no fast food in our lives growing up. We actually were not infrequently eating at Burger King. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about um, fast food fried chicken, I I feel like tenders, and Burger King's sourced chicken um, were sort of more a part of that stage of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I can certainly say today, um, I'm not actively looking for McNuggets in my life.
0: Yeah, um, as, ex- as expected.
2: In terms of Judd and dining, um, I, you know, as you mentioned, I've been tasked with sort of figuring out where our large group of friends may eat in whatever sort of setting we are. And with a normal group of people, that alone is a challenging task. Um, finding restaurants that are big enough, that serve food that everybody will eat. But I think Judd creates a much more defined area where it's safe. And yeah. I was actually looking back at planning Judd's bachelor party, mm-hmm. um, which was to New Orleans during Mardi Gras. So said, there, were, there were a few people down there at the time mm-hmm. uh, and restaurants were pretty busy. The amount of time and emails that went into planning three dinners for 18 people um, was in the order of hundreds and hundreds of emails Mm -hmm. um, with with validation (laughs) that that, for example the italian place that we picked for the first night because when you think new orleans you think italian um, (laughs) i had to make sure that the margarita pizza that they serve was not dusted with parmesan Um, so, um, these are, these are, so it's not as though I would love to just give like one, but to me, it's more of like, a, um, it's the zeitgeist of, of dining choices with Judd is, is just, um, a, a position where, um, it's a lot of effort. It's Um, critical. It's critical.
1: Yeah. I actually think that Judd did us all a service in prepping us for kids. Yeah.
3: yeah. And, by, and by the way, I feel the exact same way as Jason. It's very stressful to go out with Jason.
0: Yeah. So, so, so Judd, just, just for posterity, um, I, I, because I, your, your palate gets more and more refined with each year, can you confirm whether or not you're a McNugget guy? And then maybe you can share a traumatic story about dining with Jason?
3: Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think the answer is I'm, I'm obviously a McNugget guy. Um, that that's sort of a foregone conclusion. Um, I would say for me, I, you know, I love Jason to death and I think, uh, and I respect, I respect his, uh, culinary interests. Um, I don't agree most of the time, but that doesn't mean I can't have a good time with him. Jason, um, we've gotten to the point now where when he makes a reservation for, let's say a double date or for a group of people, he will literally say to me, Judd, don't worry. It's Judd friendly. Mm-hmm. and And usually, what that means is something ranging from there 's bread uh, to there 's air conditioning and there 's diet coke yeah and so i do have I have, some, I have some challenges when it comes to food, but my palate is not that selective. So I do. I will call out. I don't think Jason always puts in as much effort as he's apply, as he's implying in terms of getting getting us to a restaurant that really will satisfy Judd's needs.
0: Yeah. So right, J- Jason, on your advanced uh, Yelp features, like on mine, I can filter by like outdoor patio, maybe maybe wheelchair accessible. Are you able to filter by Judd friendly? Like, is that do you have that as well?
2: <laughs> it's something that I I. I won't even go to Yelp for dealing with Judd. Right, it's just, it's just it's a waste of time. And and the by the way, the AI, the artificial intelligence to build something like that, it's you know we're at least a decade away from that. So
0: yeah, yeah, you're the human algorithm on that. Can um, I say,
3: Matt?
1: Can I say one thing? Oh, uh, Judd friendly yeah. is actually a category in the uh, uh, ADA, American Disabilities Act. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, a couple things. Certified, <laughs> certified as judge friendly.
3: Well, well, here's the the thing. Just a few few call outs. One is uh, Jason mentioned my bachelor party, which by the way was unbelievable. And I still appreciate the work Jason put in, but I think I was asked um, what I would prefer for my dinners at my bachelor party. And I I know that I said Crystal, which is uh, sort of a alternative version of White Castle, small burgers. And I also said Patty O'Brien's. And uh, I asked Jason to actually remind me the places we actually went were revolution, which is literally the word revolution with an apostrophe after the word "r," very pretentious. And then St. Marie. And so I just don't, I don't see how my request ended in those two restaurants. There's, there's literally, there's no similarities. The other thing I want to call out is I was recently told, um, by a food expert that I actually, um, I, I was officially diagnosed, uh, with selective eating disorder, um, which, Which is, to me, is actually means I'm
1: more evolved, not
3: less, but okay. Okay.
1: So I think before we get to the actual history of McNugget, we need to flush out one more variable about Judd that Matt alluded to, which is that you're a fast food entrepreneur. My
3: wife and I um, are fast food franchisees, as Kevin alluded to. We own a bunch of Dunkin' locations and a bunch of Taco Bell locations uh, in several markets across the U.S., uh, my wife is actually a lot more uh, like Jason, a bit of a foodie, uh, so I'm the one who brings the passion to the business, uh, but I do want to say that the Chicken McNugget is largely responsible for where I am today, and, and I'm happy to expand as much or as little as you want. How much of
1: your, of your brain activity and an average day is occupied by fast food writ large? Okay, well, I think, and, and I'm not in any way um,
3: exaggerating. I'd say of my waking hours, I'm thinking about fast food 95% of the time. <laughs> so there is that, that my, my, my career, my entire business, my yeah. livelihood, my kids' and, livelihood.
0: And, and just, just to quantify, maybe, or to punctuate, Judd, is there anything more enjoyable to you than an order of McNuggets, well cooked fries, and a McDonald's Coke?
3: Okay. So uh, I, the spirit of the question is basically an unbelievable meal at McDonald's because we'll, we'll talk about the difference between the McNugget and the burger, but um, y- the answer is I find that with a sexual mm-hmm. orgasm, uh, the peaks are obviously higher, but I, I think that if I if I could only have sex and no McDonald's or McDonald's and no sex, it's not, it's, it's not like a layup because mm-hmm. for me, McDonald's, while the, the peaks and valleys are not as dramatic, it's, it's really consistent. And there's something very comforting about that. Um, okay. Right.
1: Uh, probably could segue to talk about how we got here. Yeah. All right, so we're, we're zooming back to the late 70s where our story kind of comes into focus. Uh, and, and oddly enough, the story of the McNugget is a story of nutrition. So, mm-hmm. in 1977, the federal government announced, this is Jimmy Carter and his goons, announced that red meat, red meat is dangerous, and they try to encourage Americans to shift their dietary habits. And when this comes out, there's panic at McDonald's headquarters. <laughs> so, they gather their brain trust throughout the late 70s and figure out, how are we going to fight Carter off, right? Um, and McDonald's, I, I have no idea, and this might be its own podcast, turns to the services of a chef named Rene Arend, who was a French chef, I think he's from Luxembourg, I might be, might be off, mm-hmm. who had previously cooked dinner for the Queen of England, and they asked him what they should do, okay? Mm-hmm. So he has a ton of green field, right? Think about, we have to get out of red meat, or at least find ways of diversifying our menu, what should we do? All right. And, and Judd, I'm going to kind of go through um, some of his first thoughts, and we can sure. kind of get your quick responses. Sure. First idea was a chicken dish, but it was a deep fried chicken pot pie. You want, you want to just free it? So what do you think? So that,
3: by the way, um, I could have told you off the bat, that thing was DOA, dead on arrival. <laughs> the, the chicken pot pie, I, it's not part of my, it's not part of my diet. I respect it. I like the ingredients. I think the chicken pot pie. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it has like a gravy flavor or gravy element to it inside the crust. Yeah. And for me, for I don't love the flavor of most gravies. And and on top of that, there's something. I, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. I think the gravy is essentially um, the spare, the spare like sort of leftover parts of the animal, like gizzards and like toes. And so for me, there's there's just a sort of a a gross out element to gravy. I also don't like the flavor. And when you're talking about a good fast food dish, you need something that's safe and will appeal to everyone. I think a pot pie is going to eliminate a a big part of the population.
0: Okay. All right, good. So, so just, just to fact check ourselves, uh, gravy is oftentimes cooked with some of the, you know, innards to make it rich, but it's not, it's not necessarily or exclusively cooked that way. And as far as I know, it's not required that toes and gizzards are part of gravy. You know, I'm not,
3: I'm, but Matt, that's fair. I'm not going to take the risk though.
0: I understand. <laughs> the, I understand. The other, the other, the, here's the counter for the pro pot pie. I think that if the pot pie was handheld, which I think is critical. And I think if it was more canish like, you know, where it was more constituted on the inside, I think that could, I'm not saying it's better than the McNugget. But I think that could play, and, and I, I agree with Judd that the idea of it being uh, very drippy <laughs> um, or or not handheld, I think, is a it would be a big strike against the, the fried pot pie.
1: If you use the word knish in that meeting in the late seventies, the conversation's done. Okay. But I, I will say one thing, guys. I do think that a fried, a deep fried
3: pot pie would actually do really well as like a novelty item at like one of these celebrity chef restaurants
1: that Jason likes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying uh, <laughs> all right okay all right so we'll keep moving because we, we got a lot we have a lot of ground to cover before we get into the real real meat of this not not no, no, no. Um,
0: yeah folk, fake sure. meat
1: yeah fake meat uh, so the next idea that Oren comes up with it's also amazing to me how how kind of mundane these ideas are if he's this progressive <laughs> chef his next idea is fried chicken right? Mm -hmm. and the concern was that the market was too saturated because of kfc
3: so just to confirm it it was it was fried chicken on the bone yes yeah not going to happen uh uh, once you once you uh include the bone you're basically becoming a chicken concept and that i I can tell you mcdonald's did not want to be pigeonholed so the bone the bone is going to alienate some of the core customers it's that was not an option
1: so you don't think the issue is KFC? You think the issue is just the bone?
3: The bone. I don't. I listen. I. I think. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think KFC is the problem.
1: All right. So Ray Kroc uh, then asked Garand, I guess, to salvage this project to shift his focus to making a bite-sized onion ring, an mm-hmm. onion nugget. Okay. Yeah. So
3: is there a question there? Yeah. What, what do you What do you think of that? I, uh, I. I love the idea of a bite-sized onion nugget. I think it's a great. Um. It's a great side dish. Um, I don't, it's not, it's not a main course. And so, by the way, if they introduced that today, I'd love it. Um, but if they're relying on that as a staple, uh, it's not going to work.
0: Right. It's if not, it, it's not going to, what you're saying is it's not going to stave off the potential loss of beef consumption. No, no,
3: would- good God. No, 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 no. It's it's a side
1: dish. Okay. All right. So it sounds like you and the late seventies McDonald's brain trust were all aligned and being disappointed in what Chef René kind of cooked up, but I'm then- frustrated. In a moment that rivals Archimedes and, and just these flashes of brilliance, the chairman of McDonald's board, Fred Turner, I, I picture him swiveling his back like, like he's looking out the window. Onto, you know, and then all of a sudden has like this idea and turns around and says, why not a chicken nugget? Yeah. <laughs> and all right. So um, do you think if you were in that room in the late 70s, that would have been a no brainer?
3: Yes. I, I think I, w- I would have there. So, so uh, you guys, because I'm a Taco Bell franchisee, you guys are aware of the Dorito Loco taco or not. Yes. The, the, the DLT uh, was the simplest concept in the world. They took a traditional taco and got Dorito flavored cheese to put on the, on the shell. It was the single most successful launch in the history of fast food did over a billion dollars in sales in the first year. All they did was add Dorito nacho cheese to mm-hmm. me the chicken nugget was the 1970s, 1980s equivalent. Just the simplest ideas sometimes are the best. So a little bit about um, Fred Turner. Uh, Turner was the chairman of McDonald's.
0: He worked his way up and he was obsessed with guidelines and quality control. So he was the one who sort of defined as an example that fries had to be exactly 0.28 inches thick and that you had to make 10 patties for each pound of beef. Judd, I just wanted to ask you when you when you find at one of your stores like a way oversized Munchkin or like a taco that maybe has too much meat in it, that make you feel?
3: Great question. Um, When it comes to tacos, I actually uh, I'm a big fan of uh, more is more. It's better. There's a halo effect. If you have a full taco, it makes everyone feel like they're getting a good deal, and it doesn't for all the products. Um, So, and and we have to remember. A lot of the taco is really just lettuce and tomatoes. It's very inexpensive. Um, even the beef is not bad. While the price fluctuates, it's very cost effective. So for me, the taco is fill it up. Don't you know? Don't skimp. In terms of in terms of the munchkin, um, the, it's very highly regulated. Uh, so the idea of an oversized munchkin is is almost a non-issue. But what I will say, a lot of people. Uh, don't know this, a munchkin costs about seven cents to manufacture. And so one of my issues with the munchkin is that if you go into any store, you'll often find that um, uh, people are giving, you know, the the workers are giving away free munchkins, especially like little kids or girlfriends. And I have no problem with that, uh, you know, on the margin. But when they start doing it in mass, that's not a munchkin, that's seven cents. And so for me, that's that's more of the issue on the munchkin side. Got
0: it. That that was my question. Okay. Munchkin leakage is really.
3: Munchkin leakage. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, so, Kevin, everyone's on board with, this is like whatever, 1981, 1979, everyone's on board with, with the McNugget, but what's the problem?
1: All right. So, by the time this germ of idea actually comes to fruition in 1983, the problem was it was a huge success. Within months of the McNugget being released, McDonald's is one of the largest sellers of chicken in the world. And the issue is there aren't enough chicken. They're out of chicken. They can't figure it out. So they go to Tyson Chicken to solve their supply problem and Tyson couldn't figure it out with the chickens that they had. So they had to develop a custom breed of chicken, like develop a new chicken called Mr. McDonald that had even larger breasts than the then existed chicken of tomorrow.
0: Uh, so Kevin, I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of a trend in the sexualization of the McNugget. I introduced it, I don't think I'm projecting, but I introduced it with the Christie Brinkley. Now we're talking about, you know, enhanced breasts on, on, on Mr. McDonald, the chicken. <laughs> you know, in 2018, Donald Jones of Albuquerque um, was accused of trading sex uh, for McNuggets with a uh, with <laughs> Wait, a prostitute, he was,
1: giving, he was giving the sex for mcNuggets no. <laughs> he, was,
0: he he he, no he was he he was trading the McNuggets for uh, for a hand job and okay. i i just I just wanted to ask Judd uh, you know you're an expert in fast food currency um, cons if it's consensual and legal um and an empowered sex worker. Um, is willing to trade in McNuggets. How many McNuggets do you think that's worth? I think, I, I don't know that the number was given in the story, but what, what, so, what you, yeah.
3: Obviously, if I had more time to do a little research, I could give you a more informed uh, answer. I, I think just, this is the first I'm hearing of this question. So um, I think in the average uh, US city, the average sex worker, and I, again, I don't know if this is, is right, it feels like an average decent hand job is probably worth about $50. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the way I would do it is I'd probably get the sex worker a 20-piece McNugget meal. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that situation, I obviously have a lot more money to spend. So I think what I would do is I'd probably get her a 20-piece McNugget meal. meal, And then I would probably uh, get a bunch of just 10 piece meals, give it to her and essentially tell her she can sort of uh, make it rain with her colleagues. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's up to her, she, it's her call. I'd also probably buy a few McFlurries and Sundays and apple pies, but I think from the McNugget <laughs> perspective, I'm imagining one 20 piece meal and five or six 10 piece meals that would be given out by the worker to her friends. Yeah, your, abil-
0: your ability to synthesize that uh, on the fly is I think as much evidence of your credentials as we could have asked for.
1: <laughs> I think the 50 bucks, for a hand job, whether that's the national average, I feel like would be you'd get the under outside of a McDonald's in Albuquerque. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure, for
0: sure. <laughs> so, OK, so, Kevin, thank you for sharing the history. Uh, here we are, decades later, and there are four shapes of McNuggets. I didn't, I mean, I knew this intuitively, but I didn't know this explicitly. There's the bell, the boot, the ball, and the bow tie, OK? The four Bs, just for the panel. Did they get the shapes right? Do the shapes matter? Are there, you know, should they have made shapes that looked more like, you know, a chicken leg, like a
3: thigh? Do you, Jason, do you want to go first? I'll defer I mean, to you.
2: Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, I, I actually think the concept is right, which is this isn't chicken thigh. This isn't chicken leg. Let's let's not pretend. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think they went right with non um, non-fowl related shapes, but. I also feel like they could, the most important thing was clearly being able to fit within the bounds of the dipping container, um, which all these shapes obviously achieve. And and I think that's probably the, the primary driver. Uh, the cynic in me would say, well, let's think about something as far, far away from chicken as possible. And I feel like, you know, when you've got a boot, um, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, ties. So I think there was, um, a real subversive um, undertone. There could have been like, I'm not saying someone like me, but somebody in in the development process might've just inserted a little bit of subversion in this because these are all inanimate objects um, that really represent kind of what you're ultimately gonna be chowing down on.
0: Yeah, you know, Ke- Kevin, it occurs to me that we're seeing maybe a hint of a through line to the theme of 83, which is sort of unrepressed rage fully expressed, where McDonald's was basically like, yeah, we know it's not fucking chicken. Fuck, like, fuck you, it's gonna look so like a food.
1: Who said we have to make chicken out of chicken? Right, right, right. <laughs> we whatever we want. Like, the same way if George Brett wants to shit himself in the Bellagio, he'll shit himself in the Bellagio, right. and McDonald's will make chicken out of non-chicken. It's up to them.
0: Judd, <laughs> any, Jud, any concerns about about the shape? And let me actually maybe ask you a follow-up. Could Would you have considered chicken popcorn or tenders um, in retrospect,
3: looking back on it. Um, well, I guess two things uh, to, to both questions. One, I would have gone with simplicity. I would have done probably like circle square triangle, you know, hard stop. Um, yeah. there, there's some <laughs> nice symmetry there. Uh, kids, kid, li- little kids would love that. Uh, it got them hooked a little earlier, I guess, fast food equivalent to the McNugget that I might choose over the McNugget is probably, um, uh, the chicken nuggets at Chick Fil A. Right after that, I think that the McDonald's chicken McNugget is the best in the industry. So that's good. Good point. So the the, the Chick
0: Fil A is a little bit more like chicken popcorn, as I recall. It's it's I think it's real chicken, and they tend to be in balls. The other point that I think you're alluding to is is the the the, the sauce discussion. Yeah. And I think Chick Fil A sauce is obviously, well, in my opinion, the superior dipping sauce in all the fast food establishments it, do you it, do you, yeah yeah
3: yeah i mean so so i i will say this it's very rich and it has to be eaten in moderation but um the chick-fil-a sauce is is hands down the best sauce in the fast food industry and i genuinely believe if you if you rub that sauce uh, on any food in a high-end restaurant the high-end restaurant gets rave reviews
1: so is that is that understood like that they're just like is that like ask me any baseball player like that, you know, Mike Trout is the best player that if you were to walk into Burger King or McDonald's said, who has the best sauce, they'd say Chick-fil-A.
3: Yeah. I think if you're talking to people in the know, maybe not, maybe not the employee who's only going to be there for six to seven months, but if you talk to executives and management in the fast food space um, they're going to tell you Chick-fil-A sauce, bar none, you know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. And they, and by the way, they're going to win a lot of awards across other categories as well. You know, so what other
1: categories? Are what are you, the- what, an example? Yeah, what other categories other than best tasting sauce, kind of sauce? Customer service. Um, no, 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 I thought you meant the sauce. Oh, no, 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 no no. The,
3: yeah, no, no. The Chick-fil-A sauce, they have other great sauces, by the way. The Chick-fil-A sauce is the only sauce I can think of in fast food that could be put on any product in fast food, and it enhances it.
0: Yeah, Judd, have you ever dipped a Twizzler in Chick Fil A sauce? That's
3: an amazing question. No, I haven't. Remember, there's not a lot of Chick Fil A's near us, yeah. so it's usually when I'm on the road and I don't often have Twizzlers with me. Okay, good, fair enough. So I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna pivot, asking Jason a question. Um, you know, Jason, the current sauces in rotation for McDonald's are sweet and sour, honey mustard, chipotle barbecue, tangy barbecue, spicy buffalo, sweet chili, hot mustard, and creamy ranch. Um, I, I couldn't really find a gap other than Chick-fil-A sauce, maybe like a garlic aioli. But sort of ruminating on on um, what they could do better brought me to your doorstep and. I asked you to take on a challenge for us. And, and here's what I, I, I asked you. I gave you about a week of preparation. And I said, if you're the executive chef of a fine restaurant and the core of a certain menu item has to include chicken McNuggets, not chicken nuggets, McDonald's chicken McNuggets, <laughs> and you have to build a meal around that, you have to name it, you have you surround it with things. You have to either build it up or break it down. And then you have to present that meal to a food critic, in this case named Judwish now, who is going to award on a scale of one to 10 croutons, 10 croutons being like, I'm blown away. I can't believe you have provided something to me that is sophisticated and I'm going to eat it. To one crouton being like, "How could you have fucked up something so perfect?" That <laughs> that was the challenge. Um, you've been given a week. Can you maybe tell us what you came back?
2: With? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it's great to be able to kind of stretch stretch my culinary brain in, in these directions. And you know, when I started thinking about the chicken McNugget, and um, and there was a similar through line in in Ryan Sutton, an eater critic. Um, had written a lot about the McNuggets as well. And, and I think there's this notion of the McNugget is, is essentially a deconstructed chicken. Yeah. Um, and in 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 fine dining, you will you will see there is a number of very high-end dishes that are like deconstructed, where the different ingredients kind of come together separately on a plate, but as you put them together in your mouth, it makes the meal for you. And so, you know. Flipping this concept on its head, I, I kept coming back to the trend of these roast chickens for two that are at, served at some of the best restaurants um, all over, all over the country. And my thought was, how do you reconstruct a chicken from a Chicken McNugget? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, what I, my, my, my idea was essentially let's build a roast chicken for two out of McNuggets and and essentially what that meant was we first go through a process of stripping the breading off of each McNugget, pureeing the McNugget insides, um, which is partially meat and partially other things which we can get into, forming the shape of the roast chicken, finding and actually needing another bird for the skin itself to layer on and then taking the breading from outside of the nugget um, and using that as a base with probably some of this for, for bonus points, maybe a, a, a sesame seed bun or one of the breakfast sausage patties and creating a stuffing that we stuff the bird with. So, and then as a side dish for that, I would probably puree um, the French fries into essentially what. Judd would call mashed potatoes, but let's call them pom puree. And then finish them on the top with this crispiness of actually some full fries. Wow. So that that was one of the ideas. Oh,
0: oh yeah. <laughs> Hold, hard, hard, hard stop. I, I'm, bro, I'm blown away. I hope, I, I'm totally blown away. So reconstructed chicken and palm fries. Judd, I'm sh- I, I have a feeling that you zoned out or glazed over in boredom <laughs> after the word reconstructed was used, but Let's honor what Jason just did. One to ten croutons. What are you giving the first recipe? Uh,
3: yeah, I actually like a lot of what he was doing. I was I w- I didn't think he was going to go in that direction. Uh, I'm impressed because he sort of um, he sort of uh, offered like a, a bridge to to my world. Um, I think I like everything that he did except two things. One, I don't know why he needed to get another chicken for skin. I don't need skin on my McNugget. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is I actually really am, am interested uh, and not turned off by the idea of something inside, like a stuffing, but I don't like that. He, I don't know if this was just sort of an off the cuff remark, but he mentioned that the sausage patty, uh, no way. Yeah. If, if you crush up the biscuit, put it in uh, the chicken that, that Jason described, remove the skin. Definitely. no need. I think that's an amazing meal. Uh, if you use the patty that he said, um, and you include, I give that seven out of 10 croutons with those two misses.
0: That's a good start. I'm also getting a feel for like a derivative McDonald's restaurant market where you, where you guys work together to take the leftovers to That's make something better. That's interesting.
2: I'm, op- I'm open to that, Judd. As and am I. I appreciate your feedback on the sausage patty. Well, I was gonna say the, the notion of high-low, um, you know, if you look at like the success of something like Momofuku, um, you know, they have a fried chicken sandwich, and yeah. and it's incredibly popular.
3: Is that like is that like Panda Express? What is that?
2: <laughs> so this was this was another idea I was thinking about a lot. Um, yeah, it's sort of just like Panda Express. Okay, oh, got, um, got it, got it. Yeah, um, but you know, this idea that today, um, Momofuku aside, you also, Judd, you've heard of Shake Shack. There is there's there's this. Versioning market for fried chicken sandwiches, but there's almost two competing camps that have existed. Fuku, the momofuku one is a dark meat. The Shake Shack one is a breast meat. And so I was also thinking about, well, the McNuggets meat is really none of that and all of that. So why can't we use the McNuggets to create our own fried chicken sandwich?
0: The, the second recipe is is McNugget fried chicken sandwich. OK, you want, you want to talk about the bun or the sides or? Yeah, you...
2: I'm thinking like a potato bun, pretty basic potato bun, um, some dill pickles. So kind of in the style of Chick-fil-A, um, yeah. to again, try to connect to. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to totally just connect to Judd, but I do think the, the the pickles, and obviously mine would probably be made in a different way, but pickles on top, real simple. And then I think you do sauce on the side.
0: Great. Judd, Judd, w- w- when you hear that, I, th- I think bro was not trying to overcomplicate things. One to 10 croutons. Are you in?
3: Or so are you just, out? just so we're clear, what because there is a fried chicken sandwich, a crispy chicken sandwich at McDonald's. You're saying in addition to that, uh, Jason, they're going to create a separate chicken sandwich, a ch- separate fried
2: chicken sandwich made out of chicken McNuggets? Well, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not the expert, but I believe that the meat that is used or the product that is used on the inside of the McNuggets is not the exact same product that's in the crispy chicken sandwich.
3: So no, 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 Okay. That, that, that's what I, okay. And by the way, I don't know, I don't know the official answer to that. McDonald's keeps things under close wraps, but um, I do. Let's let's
2: just say I took the insides of the McNuggets. I brought them together and then refried them.
3: Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's, I, that would be a great, that would be a great sandwich. I'd give that probably eight croutons. Um, I do have one, question. you talk about taking the insides out. Every time you say that, I get the feeling that you're saying like, don't add back the breading, or are you saying we still add back the breading? No, you
2: got it. Well, I think what you do is you refry it. Once the okay. breading comes off, you know, it's going to be too hard.
3: Okay, I, I like I like that meal. I think it's a great idea. It's also, by the way, it's, 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 it's also a good business decision because it's cheap, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you already have the ingredients. And you sell it, you know,
1: you sell it to something else, something seasonal. Let me, let me uh, propose another idea and tell me if this has any interest for you as, as a fast food entrepreneur. Sure. Expanding McNuggets into dessert with dessert sauces. Wow. Like chocolate sauce, vanilla, butterscotch. Uh, and we're still you using. Can ch- you can do a cross like Reese's peanut butter nuggets. And, and the nuggets are still a chicken base. Same thing. Same chicken nuggets, a different sauce. So I personally,
3: I can't I can't endorse that. Um, I'm not a fan of combining savory and sweet. Um, having said that, I think much like, um, what was it, Fred Turner, Matt? Yeah, Fred Turner. I feel like if you're in my office and my, my chair is swiveled around and you bring that up, I say, no, we can't do that. But I love the idea and I use something inside. The, it looks just like a chicken nugget. It has the exact sauces you were talking about, but it's something, I don't know, cakey. It's something dessert-like in the middle, not chicken. Yep. I'm actually surprised they haven't done something like that. But yeah. maybe it could be something like the apple pie, I guess, but something inside their butt chicken.
0: Th- but that suggestion is getting your attention. At it got my attention.
3: <laughs> right.
0: Okay. So want to circle back, unfortunately, to the actual product, to the McNugget. By by all accounts, uh, the McNugget I think is like 55% fat. It's more it's more nerves I think than actual meat. Uh, and as Kevin described earlier, you know they're made from basically like cyborg chickens. Additionally, at some point in the early 2000s, photos came out. Of ammonium hydroxide, which looks like a pink goo, being used on uh, McDonald's chicken, basically to kill bacteria and make the chicken last longer. Since 2012, they've they've stopped using it. And I just want to pose I just want to pose a question to the whole panel. Like, we all know McDonald's is not really using real chicken meat in McNuggets, and generally we're okay with it. So what is our line? What would we have to find out about a McNugget that would make us swear it off? You know, if you, if every time you ate it, the actual ingredients were advertised in very large letters, would that make you disgusted? If you found a toenail in one of them, would that make you disgusted? Or, or Judd, if you found out <laughs> that McNuggets were actually 5% tuna fish, Would that make you (laughs) just disgusted? Um, Like, Judd, where is your line? What would you have to find out about McNuggets to stop eating them?
3: I think you're going to be a little bit surprised by my answer. Uh, So I mentioned that I have selective eating disorder. Yeah. And where that comes from, and I'm actually talking about it with my therapist, where that comes from is I have a tremendous fear about the idea of eating dead animals. Tremendous. And so when I think about what I'm eating, it almost guarantees that I will have trouble eating it. So I try to disassociate what I'm eating with the actual ingredients. So for frame of reference, and and to this exact question, I actually think that if you just put the ingredients in big letters, I stop eating the chicken nuggets. Interesting. I you don't like like a toenail, you're, you're way past my comfort zone, like what's actually and by the way, even this conversation has been a little bit of a net negative for me, because now I'm going to be thinking about what's actually in the chicken McNugget next time. I love the idea of not thinking about it.
0: Yeah. So, this is, well, this this reminds me, Judd, of uh, when you were five years old and you ate your last uh, tuna fish salad sandwich because I said to you, you know that's tuna fish, right? Because up until that point, you thought tuna fish was something like chicken, right?
3: Uh, that and I remember you same right around the same time period when we were eating at Rockefeller Center and, I, and mom ordered me duck because there was no chicken, I guess, on the dish and she explained to me it was just a nicer name for chicken and then you told me it was actually a duck. Those two experiences, by yeah. the way, and I'm, I talk about them all the time, they absolutely set me down this path.
0: Yeah, they, I know they fucked you up, I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's
3: okay, I know it was inadvertent, but it happened.
0: So Kevin, what's, what's your line? What would you have to find out about Chicken McNuggets to make you swear off of them?
1: So I don't eat a ton of McNuggets, but I, think, I don't think any of these things would move the needle for me because I've already kind of priced them in. I think that if I heard like it would be hard for me not to eat them for these reasons. Maybe if like the farmers were screaming anti-Semitic epithets while they were killing the chickens, I don't. I don't know. Uh, <laughs>
2: uh, I don't. By the, yeah. by the way, that
3: that's called. It's called Chick Fil A. I
2: did find I, I when I saw this, I was doing a little scientific research. There was an American Journal of Medicine study in 2013 that, um, and you rarely see scientists come up with punny headlines, but they called the autopsy of chicken nuggets reads, quote, unquote, chicken little. And they, <laughs> actually, they actually mystery shopped at a bunch of national food chains and dissected what was inside of it um, by staining it and putting it under microscopes. And their findings were that in each nugget, fat was present in equal or greater quantities along with epithelium, which is skin. Um, so sorry, Judd. Bone, nerve, and connective tissue, and therefore their name is actually a misnomer since it's mostly fat.
0: Yeah, I, I, I had like Kevin. I had that priced in. I knew that McNuggets were probably mostly fat and and nerves um, more than anything.
3: (laughs) This is all. This is all. Sorry. Well, (laughs)
0: let's let's. (laughs) What
1: is now back at Rockefeller Center? This is not good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let's see if we can imagine something even worse than uh, the toenail in the McNugget, which is a world without McNuggets. Kevin, in order to sort of quantify just how important McNuggets are, not just in our lives, but in the world, I asked you to sort of create some butterfly effect counterfactuals, as you referred to them, wherein the world would be irrevocably changed had McNuggets not existed. And then I'm gonna ask the panel whether we would buy or sell kevin's um kevin's hypothesis so
1: what did you come up with okay all right here's scenario number one no chicken mcnuggets okay D- two events happen the cleveland indians win the world series and al gore is president all right so the surge in chicken demand that precipitated by the mcnugget never happens now tyson chicken is the lead it I- where's it headquartered arkansas Mm-hmm. And it's one of the, it's, it's Arkansas is the leading chicken producing state in the nation. Who was the young governor who was just reelected in Arkansas in 1983? Bill Clinton. Mm. So without the chicken boom in the economy in the early eighties, Clinton is voted out. He's blamed for Arkansas slumping economy. He goes back to academia. You never hear from him again. Mm. Then in 1992, a dominant Senator Paul Sangas sweeps the democratic primaries only to be defeated by President George H.W. Bush. In Bush's wildly successful second term, he rebuilds the Coalition of Nations to remove Hussein peacefully, try him, and have him imprisoned. The Middle East enters a period of blossoming. With his father remaining president, George W. Bush decides not to enter politics, but focuses energies on the Texas Rangers instead. When he over-involves himself in the day-to-day of the team, Bush influences a deadline deadline trade of Juan Gonzalez to the Indians in exchange for prospects and cash that never pans out. Gonzalez wins World Series MVP, feasting on Braves pitching, and remains beloved in Cleveland to this day. Without someone with the Bush pedigree, Al Gore coast to victory in the year 2000. Wow. By-
0: um, okay, so, Kevin, I, I was buying entirely. I'm, <laughs> this is the nerdiest answer ever but the early 90s Indians outfield consisted of Manny Ramirez, Kenny Lofton, and Albert Bell. So I just don't think they needed um, Gonzales. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm getting you, I'm selling it on a technicality, but every other piece of logic that you, that you delivered made complete sense to me. So I'm buying it with that one small exception. I need. We probably need another player in the trade or Gonzalez would have to be a DH, which they didn't also really need because they had Jim Tomei and Eddie Murray then. So I'm selling on a technicality.
3: Wow. So I, should I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll, just, I'll just, Kevin, I, I don't know if, I, if things play out exactly the way you're saying. I didn't even think about the, the, the logistical outfield technicality. Um, but beyond that, I actually love, I'm buying what you're selling in the spirit of saying that no chicken nugget. I agree. I think that that probably fucks up Bill Clinton's chances at office, and I think the ripple effects are very big. I yeah. don't know if Al Gore ends up in the in the Oval Office, but I do think that there are major changes.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I, I was also wondering what Bill Clinton's diet how his diet would change as well. I think,
3: I, I don't th- by the way, I, and I hate to say this, I love Bill Clinton. I don't. I'm not sure he's alive. I don't think he gets yeah. healthy. Yeah,
0: he might be. He might be a dead academic.
1: Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was a great one. What's your second counterfactual, Kev? All right. So this one follows a similar logic, so you have to bear with me. But in a world without McNuggets, number one, Kurt Cobain never becomes a rock star and is alive. And two, <laughs> <laughs> two George Brett never shits himself in the wow. <laughs> oh, wow! Without the McNugget, the McDonald's uh, top brass still has to find a pivot for meat And they just say, you know, let's just run with the onion McNugget. It winds up becoming moderately successful and all the other fast food chains copy it, creating a run on onions. And what local economy benefits from that? Washington State, one of the largest onion producers. With the Washington State economy lifted, there really isn't the same appetite for grunge music. The fertile soil for angry, dissident grunge is gone. (laughs) as it's soaked with the onion McNugget success. So when Kurt Cobain gets up there and sings in his early bands, there really isn't much of an audience for it. So instead he dedicates his life to solving his IBS problem (laughs) and uh, becomes a spokesperson for fairly successful, you know, he still has the same charisma, a fairly successful like stomach gut cleanser. So obviously he doesn't have the same pressure and the same chronic gastrointestinal issues that lead him to kill himself he's alive fairly successful living outside of aberdeen washington without grunge uh occupying the dominant musical space in the early to mid 90s like an ethereal music kind of an enya type music winds up walking through the airways basically calming america down also remember we have george hw bush's wildly successful second term um, which also buoys the nation's spirit. Now, Brett, not seeping in the rage that had boiled over from all of the 90s, when he walks through the Bellagio after eating the crab legs, number one, has Kurt Cobain IBS treatment at the handy. Second, the ethereal music that's kind of wafting through the Bellagio calms him. He pivots and says to Rusty Staub, you know what, there's a bathroom right there, right? Um, <laughs> and he winds up you know, very quickly gingerly walking to the bathroom. It's never an incident and he never has to bother that Royals journeyman who he assaults verbally uh, <laughs> in our version of reality.
0: Does Kurt Cobain still practice and play music? And and if so, is, is he playing kind of like new agey
1: or like acoustic rock music in this alternate life? No, I think maybe he might fiddle around with his kids. I, I picture him being like pretty clean cut and like, uh, like he wears a lot of like North Face vests and stuff. Yeah. I mean, he has a business to look after, like his yeah. IBS treatment, Kurtz. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. okay.
0: Uh, that was a curiosity. I think I'm buying the first part. The second one's a tougher sell for me. Let me just say, because in this world, the pine tar incident still happens because that is pre-Cobain IBS I treatment. I was thinking the same thing. So there's still like the psychic break slash fugue state. Are you trying to tell me that this this organic treatment is powerful enough, <laughs> and the Enya-esque music at the Bellagio is calming enough that it actually reverses the complete, you know, unrepressed? gastrointestinal rage that Brett was living with for the better part of you know a decade and a half is it that good?
1: Well what the people at Kurtz would tell you is they can't guarantee success but what they're saying is it gives it buys you the time to get to the bathroom and that's what Brett needed.
0: I don't I think I'm half buying I think I'm half buying it I think you've done a good infomercial I just think that whatever Brett had hemorrhoids in eighty. He had the pine tar home run in '83, and we know that he was shitting himself twice a year. He also had some flatulence. Wait. He also had some flatulence problems in the video. I just, I'm not buying the efficacy
3: of Kurtz of Kurtz. <laughs> so I, I think I think I'm selling, Judd. What do you think? I, by the way, I agree that McDonald's pivots uh, toward the onion nugget and not the pot pie nugget. So that mm-hmm. that was uh, well thought. I I also agree with the Cobain thesis. I think that there's no chance Cobain makes it big if the onion nugget becomes big i like you maddie i actually i am having trouble buying uh, the george brett part i actually think that he's probably angrier you know he had so much rage and i think that there was something comforting uh, for him living in a world where rage was becoming the thing mm-hmm. i think being in a world where everyone's a lot calmer you know it's it, kevin it's sort of like you know you're angry and someone says shh calm down yeah but that's the music and- I, th- I think George Brett not only not only does he shit himself in the Bellagio, I think it's actually worse. I, I I actually think he has full-on
1: diarrhea. I like the idea that what emerges from our our deep dive into 1983 is that the one event that's not culturally dependent is Brett shitting himself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> That's happening in any cultural context. Right, there's something
0: almost biblical about that, too, our earlier episode, that that, that was manifested to happen by destiny.
1: Yeah, no matter what. There's yeah. no event that could have happened, like, you could go back and, like, Hitler gets shot, there's no World War II, Brett is still, <laughs> Brett still standing in the Bellagio, so... <laughs> so, um...
0: Thank God for the McNugget. And I think if we track back the logic, we seem to agree that as a menu item, McDonald's got it right. I think there was a little bit of quibbling on perhaps just the, the, the sauce and the fact that Chick-fil-A beat McDonald's to a superior sauce. But otherwise, we think the shape, um, we think the fact that they said, you know, we're not chicken and we know it and, and fuck y'all because we have, um, we have a superior product um that the fact that they didn't choose the pot pie they didn't choose the fried onion we pretty much think mcdonald's nailed it on the mcnugget and and thank god um we don't live in a world without mcnuggets right is there any is there any counter i'm not thinking of well
3: i i I do want to call uh one item maddie i don't you guys may not have noticed this i do because i'm very very picky and very scared of most most meat products i don't know if you remember up until probably 10 years ago there were dark meat McNuggets. Like if, you, if I ordered like a mm. six piece McNugget, I was only eating three of them. I would only eat the white meat ones. And then at some point they got smart. And I don't know if they even changed the ingredients. They may have just bleached out the dark. Um, but now if you bite into a McNugget, you'll never see dark meat. And yeah. since that happened, I will always eat all the McNuggets that I order. That's great. That is, that is an important point.
1: It's, it's, good, it's good to leave 1983 on a positive note. Let, let us
0: close with a, a question for Judd, the expert. I know you refer to the DLT, the, the Dorito taco at, at, at Taco Bellas, the, the most successful fast food launch of recent memory. Has there been a more important food innovation
3: in the last 50 years, though, than the McNugget? I don't think I go beyond Burger King. Uh, without the McNugget. Now, ironically, the McNugget is not my favorite meal at McDonald's anymore, but I don't go to McDonald's without the McNugget. I don't get my Bar Fit at McDonald's. I don't go into fast food. I don't meet my wife. I don't, I don't have kids. I don't even know if I have kids. I'm not sure if I'm married. Right. So to me, the McNugget is the entree into McDonald's, which shows me that there's more to fast food than just Burger King. And from there, um, you know the the rest is, as they say, history. Can we can we at some point maybe as a coral can we do like a PSA
1: at some point for selective eating disorder?
0: Yes. Sure.
1: All all the proceeds of this podcast are going directly to support selective eating disorder.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I I I'll make that pledge. I hundred percent make that pledge. And, and,
2: and the irony is, my five year old I think is an early sufferer of it. So I, I can talk.
3: It. I can talk to her. It's it's a blessing as well as a curse.
0: thanks, Kevin, for another great story. Thanks to our panelists, Judd Wishnow and Jason Klein, for their incredible expertise, for their elite knowledge. Uh, And thanks, everyone, for listening. If you haven't already, uh, please subscribe to Recent Memories, either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify.
1: Take care. Talk to you soon.